It's a holiday edition of Extra Points. Uh, it gets better every week, doesn't it? Garen Amick and Bill Hasten of the Tulsa World coming to you uh, to talk about what might be happening in our worlds and, and hopefully yours as well, mostly related to football, uh, this being Oklahoma and this being the silly season. Uh, we have a coaching change at Tulsa, and so we'll lead with uh, Kevin Wilson. We'll get into transfer uh, portal madness that has hit all three of uh, our schools of focus, TU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Any leftovers from the high school season? And if there are uh, there anything else that we need, anything else we need to uh, to get to down the stretch, we will. Bill, you said we might uh, might have us coach at Tulsa by the end of last week's show. Uh, in fact, that is the case. Kevin Wilson introduced to the TU crowd yesterday. Uh, reminded me a lot of the Kevin Wilson that I used to uh, despise transcribing when he was the, <laughs> when he was the offensive coordinator at, o, at at OU. Man, that that's a painstaking exercise getting every word that Wilson says down into your in your file on your laptop. And that that was the case again yesterday. Thank you, Don Tonkowski and TU for for uh, the transcription on that end. I'm not sure we're going to get that lucky moving forward, but of course, TU fans don't care about so much what he says and how long it takes him to say it. They just want him to win. Any idea whether he'll do it? What do you think? I got to say, they uh, with this hire, they they uh, they went pretty much 180 degrees the other way from what I expected, mm -hmm. which was much younger. And possibly I thought – I just did, never knew whether there was the priority – to I presume there probably was the priority to take the head coaching money back a little bit. Well, obviously, when you hire Kevin Wilson from a, a Big Ten superpower who's making a million four to coordinate as we speak, he's not going to take a lateral pay situation at Tulsa. So I'm guessing he's probably making about a million eight, which is fine, or maybe two million even. Um, which would be so interesting uh, at that school for a head coach to make $2 million. But with regard to uh, the makeup of the man, uh, I thought they would hire a 41-year-old coordinator and not a 61-year-old coordinator, although I have no problem uh, with him being 61. Mm -hmm. and the more I thought about it, college football, you used to hire a guy with, with this – five-year window in mind, right? That's gone. There ain't no, what, five years? Give me a break. Two and a half, maybe. Yeah, cut that in, cut that in two. And I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying that the life expectancy on a coach is, is, is less than five years. What I'm saying is your program will change 10 times in five years now. Yeah. So, uh, because of the portal and, and the, right. you, but, but to me yesterday, the, 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 retention or get back into the program of Braxton was just about as big a story as uh, yeah, my jaw dropped when I heard that jaw. You talk about Paul Harvey would have been proud of Rick Dixon <laughs> on the way he weaved that story. And then the punchline at the end, I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but the more I listened to Kevin Wilson, the more I thought about it, it seemed to me that his driving motivation uh, because he's making a lot of money as is without the head coach headaches in, in Columbus, right? Right. It just seems to me that because he's always been around or he's been around Bob Stoops and he's been around Urban Meyer and he's been around Ryan Day, that it eats at him so much that he is not, he's viewed as a failed head coach, mm -hmm. fair or not, right? At Indiana. 
20 games under 500, I think we'll, we'll qualify that. We'll qualify you as such. I heard a podcast with him um, when it became apparent that he was really involved. I, I, I looked, what in the world was that? Anyway, uh, so uh, I, I, I listened to a podcast involving Kevin, and he broke down the reason. This was long before a Tulsa situation mm -hmm. started. And he, he broke down the reasons why Indiana didn't work. They were fair reasons. And, and it wasn't an excuse more, as much as an ex explanation. But I think this man is so driven to prove people wrong that he can be a successful head coach. And he's been dying for this second run to prove people wrong and to prove himself right. Uh, so I, I am, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. It's just when it, when it, when the hire was finalized, I thought I'm not a fan of it. The more that I've thought about, thought about it, the more I've read about it, listened to that podcast. And, and so I, I'm cool with it. I, I think he'll do a good job. And if his, if, if Rick Dixon didn't really explain whether he said, hey, I got Kevin Wilson, if you want to stay here and play for a, a Big Ten coordinator, a, a guy who develops NFL quarterbacks. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about that. But um, so I, I, I'm happy uh, for TU that they seem to have. They certainly made a hire that they got the attention of a lot of people around the country. And yep. that, that's important. So I would say they won the press conference, and now let's see if they can win the 2023 season and beyond. I think it's a leap of faith for, for both the coach and the and the athletic director, Bill. I think it's for Dixon, you've hired a guy who was, if you want to put failure, if you want to attach failure to it, you have a right to, not just based on the fact that, again, he finished, I think, 26 and 47 toward 27 and 46 at, at IU. But uh, it didn't go well out, out the door for, for Wilson. There were some really difficult, disturbing allegations of, of player mistreatment. And, and that's something we'll cover at some point with regard to, to this hire. But um, it's not just that he, he left the program not accomplishing what he wanted to do, but he left with a lot of rumblings about uh, how he was managing his, his players and his staff, to, to be frank. If you go back and reread some of that stuff. So it's almost a, uh, if you're Dixon, you, you're getting, again, a proven dynamite uh, offensive coordinator, but a guy who did not, just didn't fit. The head coach did not fit. And uh, a 61-year-old at that, to your point about you thought you might go younger, maybe a little jazzier. Um, it's a leap of faith. It's more a leap of faith for Wilson because um, he, was, he was able to cocoon himself at Ohio State from whatever went wrong at Indiana. Obviously had a lot of success as Ryan Day and Urban Meyer's assistant. And, and oh, by the way, he was, this is interesting. I, I, I couldn't have told you before the Michigan game, the one that Ohio State just lost, Bill, I couldn't have told you whether he was calling plays. He was not calling plays in Columbus. And one of the fallout, the one big piece of fallout from Ohio State's loss to Michigan was that there were several outlets who covered the Buckeyes who are now calling for Day to hand over play-calling duties to one of his assistants. And the guy that everyone mentions first is Wilson. So if he stays at Ohio State, not only is he staying in the one, you know, in the million in the millionaire club, not only is he uh, on, a, on almost a certain playoff team every year, but he's about to become that playoff team's play caller, potentially. And so he's putting all of that aside to come to Tulsa with the smallest enrollment. We've been over the, th the deficiencies several times. Smallest enrollment in FBS, one of the smallest home attendance figures in FBS, no indoor practice facility, um, 
alumni base, this, that, and the other that they don't have. And all, and he's thrust into that situation versus what he is giving up at Ohio State. That's why this is an even bigger leap for Wilson to make. And that makes TU, I guess, fortunate from that standpoint. Yeah. That he's willing to make it. Um, it's a uh, it's an important hire for Rick Dixon, who has been pretty much hailed as a you know uh, it, he's gone from having been fondly remembered to now in the last couple of years because he came at such a tough time for TU and has has fixed a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now he's like this Mount Rushmore figure all of a sudden at TU and and uh, so no no I mean there's a there's a gamble in hiring uh Kevin Wilson but like you say you were you had a ringside seat for what he did with Sam Bradford at Oklahoma and uh and what they averaged uh, over a period of two months 60 points a game or whatever that stat was a crazy stat yeah well even go back real quick go look at what Zach Kostock did as Northwestern's quarterback under Kevin Wilson, a guy that I don't know if anyone has heard of around here, but if you take five minutes and do a Google search on what that kid did right. with, with Wilson being the coordinator, never mind Bradford and uh, and then Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, um, uh, Nate Sudfeld set all sorts of passing records at Indiana when, when Wilson was head coach. So, and I guess that, that leads us to Braxton, right? And, and to what potentially it can mean for, for a kid like him. Yep. Hey, I mean, TU just hired a pro coach. And by that, I mean, Wilson has that big time college football uh, aura about him. Uh, So the combination, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, let's just get to spring football. And then from there, we can get to August with Braxton in the program. but I, I, that would be one of the great storylines of next season to see what Tulsa football would look like after eight months of of uh, Kevin Wilson and Braxton being in lockstep on preparation mm-hmm. and, and taking Braxton, uh, trying to cram, uh, you know, it's a, kind of a rush job on on taking him to his next level of football IQ and all right. that, and you know, but with his size. Uh, his arm, uh, he has a chance to be one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the country. And now he's got Kevin Wilson. So um, with if you bundle the Braxton announcement with the what felt like a pretty positive uh, event for the Kevin Wilson unveil yesterday, I thought it was a great day for TU. Yeah. Well, it's there are going to be tough days ahead, even with Braxton – uh, out back out of the portal, uh, the roster is turning over, and you're seeing Justin Wright. In fact, just committed to Oklahoma State before we we started the show. That's your that's your one of your best tacklers. Your your sort of your anchor in the middle of that defense. You, uh, that's Anthony Goodlow, the rocket, uh, the one rock on they have on the defensive line is is in the portal. Kendaron Ray in the, in the secondary is in the portal. Um, Brand Davis Brand is going to remain in the portal. I'm sure they they pulled Braille and Braxton back out, but this is going to take. Wilson went one and eleven his first year in Bloomington. I I don't think he's going to do that at TU because I think uh, he's going to be able to navigate a friendlier conference with uh, the with uh, the American losing Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston next fall. Right? I think I, they're they're going to be more winnable games, even if it's a rebuild, a pretty massive one right out of the gate for Wilson. But 
there are things that that, that uh, are going to be difficult to, to navigate, and the portal does become a, as big a deal for him as it, as it's uh, going to be for Mike Gundy and, and Brent Venables. Um, With all due respect to Philip, uh, I just think that keeping, uh, yeah, you you lose Stokes and you lose a lot of playmakers, uh, but I just think maybe that TU is a more attractive portal destination now with Wilson and Braxton staying for, for playmakers. I mean, for that's that, a fair, that, for sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, you look what you lose, you have, there's a, there's a beautiful opportunity to gain for the net uh, to be pretty good for Tulsa with mm -hmm. regard to playmakers. And then if, if uh, certain guys on the defensive side, see certain guys on the offensive side, making that move to Tulsa, it, it, it could influence a guy or two. So, um, I mean, I got a text from an old friend minutes ago and he says, the portal's ruining college football. And I said, it'll be like this for 10 more years. And then everyone will agree that it, there's got to be some change with it. And then it'll take five years to get it changed. Um, but this is the way it is now. And, um, right. You know, and, and you know what? Uh, Monday was such a crazy first day of portal activity. And at like three at like noon, I looked at the portal tracker and there were about 380 guys in it. And I didn't look again until about 3.30 or 4. And there were 660 guys in it. And I just, okay, I'm, I've got too much to do to keep keep an eye on this thing, right? But, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I'm confident. Uh, I'm pretty confident, though, that Braylon Presley will not come out of the portal. He will stay in the portal. Mm -hmm. Pretty confident about that. And, uh I, I, you know, what a, what a first few days of portal activity for the Cowboys. First of all, I was surprised that Spencer Sanders hadn't already graduated uh, and could just make a move as a grad transfer. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, for Spencer Sanders to, to leave, um, I won't name names because I haven't verified it with the right people yet, but I was told that a couple of key Cowboys were on the verge maybe of leaving and have scored some nice NIL situations mm -hmm. and it will not leave. Uh, so, but, but the Presley, uh, you know, I, I found out about that at about noon Sunday and uh, did some checking and some calls and, and, and got the details. And so I can't say, I mean, the first pieces of this puzzle kind of fell into place mid-season, and but you know, it, ultimately that situation centers Garen on just one one factor, and that's that he he wants to be a running back, and he's mm -hmm. not going to be used as a running back at Oklahoma State. That's it, and and he's so determined to be a running back that he's willing to leave, he's willing to split away from his brother. Uh, and go play somewhere else. So um, can't get into details yet. Like like last week, I said, you know, next week we'll be able to talk about a new TU coach. Next week, Garen will be able to talk about 
who all has reached out to Brandon Presley and mm -hmm. even maybe by then, maybe where he's headed. Uh, but I think some people would be uh, pretty stunned by the the, the uh, initial wave of responses to Braylon Presley's free agency. Well, stunned is the word that uh, I would use to describe the Oklahoma State fan base, uh, the reception the Cowboys uh, followers had to Monday's events, and then Tuesday's uh, follow-up with uh, Trace Ford and Dominic Richardson making their intentions known. There's two ways we can look at this, Bill. One is to wonder if there are some things that Mike Gundy can do differently. And that's something that, that I addressed in a column this week. I, I didn't say that the program was broken beyond repair because he'd lost Spencer Sanders or Mason Cobb or Braylon Presley. But I think every coach, we, even if it's a fact of life, and it is for every coach, not just Mike Gundy, even as, as the, the tides change and this becomes an annual thing, you can still self-analyze, right? You can still look to make sure that the, the culture is where you want it, the relationships are what they should be between coaches and players. And to your point about NIL, you better be on the phone with the athletic director and the administrators who are responsible for fostering NIL partnerships or relationships, whatever you want to call them, and make sure that, it, it, again, only so much a coach or an athletic director like Chad Weiber can do in this era. I realize the opportunities for Lincoln Riley in Southern California and Los Angeles are a little different than they are for, right, for Mike Gundy in Stillwater, America. I get that, but that doesn't mean you don't throw up your hands and say, there's nothing I can do about it. We'll find out if there is. And right. And, and and not just with your coaches, but with your administration. Uh, it's Gundy's probably not fired up about that because all he's done is sort of bicker with administration over the years. When when uh, he had Mike Holder um, scratching him every now and then, but if he if he likes Weiberg and Casey Shrum as much as he claims he does, and if it's an easier situation for him moving forward, take advantage of it and and just plug any holes, any holes that that are there. Uh, to help your situation with regard to this era of college football. You remember, everybody remembers the uh, 2020, summer of 2020, and the, uh, there was a, uh, uh, after the T-shirt incident with mm -hmm. Mike, and, and there was a, an examination over a period of several days by the administration into Mike's program. They interviewed, uh, the administration interviewed 40 players, 20 current, 20 former. And uh, the uh, at the end of it, uh, the takeaway from, from the people involved in that Q&A, those Q&A sessions, and this wasn't like a written exam, check here, yes or no. It wasn't like that. It was actually right. with 40 players. And... Uh, but what, you know, and, and Mike Holder acknowledged this in, in a conference call, a memorable conference call that right. the, the takeaway was that the problems we thought we might find weren't there. They weren't there. A problem we didn't expect to find was based on relationships, centered on relationships, Mike's relationship with the roster. And so two and two and a half years later, uh, I mean, you hear rumblings that that it's not that that's a problem again. It's just kind of it's is today the way it's always been. And, you know, I don't really 
when I was on the beat at Oklahoma State, I didn't ever really sense that. I mean, there's always that there's always a certain distance between the head coach and and the roster, right? I mean, it's not like they're uh uh I mean, even at Jackson State, as as player friendly as Dion is, right? Certain right. line you don't cross, right? Right, and, right, right. Mike used to be a lot closer to Dion at Jackson State. Uh, than he is to Mike Gundy of today. Back, you know, his first seven years or so, and I don't, I don't know why he uh, apparently has uh, stepped back away a little bit or a lot from on the relationships part of it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and he would deny it if you asked him about it. Mm -hmm. And the players, if asked about it on the record, are probably going to deny that it even exists. But. Uh, you see an evidence of it now. And that was always like the one of the great reasons I think Mike's bowl record is what it is, 11 and 5, I believe. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. I mean, it's one of the great bowl records ever. Um, is that they had a culture where they didn't, there wasn't this mass exodus of important guys at the end of the regular season. Or the, they were able to sustain the roster pretty good, keep them motivated, in spite of having a bedlam loss in the final regular season game, so many of those years, right, where you get your heart ripped out. Right. Uh, in most cases. And so Mike has always been masterful at, at motivating and getting guys ready to go actually compete and care about a bowl game. And now this particular bowl game is going to be just about, it, you know, it's I would love to know what the figures are on ticket sales for this one uh, because it just can't. Although it's a desirable place to go, it's a great place to go. But the game itself, that has a chance to be, uh, that has a chance to be a, a really rough experience for the Cowboys. Um, I'll say that Wisconsin's losing guys. I say, Bill, I was about to say, man, I think that I think you could say that for about every bowl, every school in a bowl that doesn't involve a New Year's Six Met game or a playoff game, for that matter. But you know what's interesting to that point? Th this is why I was stunned. I, I don't know. I don't know the first thing about what went down in terms of the Big Twelve selections last Sunday, but when when I saw when it started to settle in that OSU was going back to Phoenix, I couldn't believe it. Just for the fact that you're asking a you're asking a fan base that was just there to watch them beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, yeah, to go back, yeah, to watch a seven and five team that's now on the verge of losing half its depth chart to yeah. to, to play in the JV game in a yeah. baseball stadium against Wisconsin. You know the ball, the baseball venue aspect of it to me is the is the that if I was a fan, leaning one way or the other, yeah, and it that might be the tipping point to get me to go. It's just the weirdness and the uniqueness of that part of it. But yeah, I mean, uh, and, and you know, I mean, I mean, I like I like that they're matched with a Big Ten opponent. Uh, I'd rather see them play a, a, a Big Ten opponent than than a you know a lesser being, I guess. But um, you talk about the all-time wild card. You don't know what in the crap the roster is going to look like. No, for either team by the this weekend. Never mind by the twenty seventh or 29th. Which game is on the 29th and twenty seventh? Oh, you OSU plays on the twenty seventh. Okay, the Sooners play on the 29th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh. I mean, Wisconsin lost its coach. So, I mean, maybe that's the Trump. Well, they lost their quarterback before OSU lost Sanders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they 
Graham Mertz announced his intention to enter the portal while we were talking to Luke Fickle on Sunday during the during the during the Zoom conference. How about that for a moment? Right. You right. want to talk about a, a moment that encapsulates college football in 2022? There it was. Oh, by yeah. the way, Coach, you just your quarterback just announced he was going in the portal. Well, while we have you, would you care to comment on that? I think it's um, funny too. I'm, I'm hearing. I've heard. Uh, I've heard some uh, uh, media conversations about the Presley portal. Uh huh. Uh, like uh, one opinion was that well he can't catch the ball and he's and uh, you know he, he doesn't have good hands and he's too small to be a running back and I just thought this is just ever watched Deuce Vaughn? Yeah, have a have you watched Deuce Vaughn? B this person has never seen Braylon Presley play. I promise, never, never. So. Um, Wherever Braylon Presley ends up, he will be a determined, uh, as never before, determined uh, young guy to prove a lot of people wrong. And I mean, if you if you go by combine measurements, mm -hmm. Braylon Presley is an inch and a half taller and about ten pounds bigger than Deuce Vaughn, and Deuce Vaughn is a certified badass, a great player, a great college football yeah. player. He is. So no, he is. He's he's going to play a few years in the NFL for sure. I mean, if Darren Sproles, if Darren Sproles did, Deuce Vaughn will. If I were Chris Kleiman, and I find out that this guy from this guy that was amazing at Bixby, Oklahoma, is now a free agent, and he looks basically like somebody laid Deuce Vaughn on the turf, had traced him, and then here you go. Here, here's yeah. here's here's a freshman who looks just like this guy. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. Uh, I, I know two. I always have to be careful not to say too much yet. <laughs> uh, well, really, I mean, because when, when it's time, I want the Tulsa role to have it first. I know. I know what you're saying. Uh, but uh, two, at least two certified Top 12 programs in the country, superpowers, have reached out already. So somebody thinks he can play. And, and somebody can't wait for the opportunity to uh, – you know, who wanted him to play running back, like, desperately was Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm not saying Nebraska is one of those top 12. Oh, my Lord. No, they got a long way to go to, to get back to that. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, all right, let's spend eight seconds on this right quick. Matt Rule, two years from now. Are they? Uh, are they? Are they? Are they rolling again in uh, Lincoln, or is it a? Uh, is that program just cursed and, no. and nobody can fix it? I think they're winning again. I don't know if they're rolling again, uh, but I bet. I bet they. I bet they don't have to worry about qualifying for a bowl game in two years. How about that? I. I don't. I don't know if they'll have to worry about that next year. That's how good of a coach. I. A good of a college coach. I think Matt Rule is. Well, rolling is, but by rolling, I mean, will it, will they, will their turnaround look like Arkansas's? I'm not saying uh, yeah. go championship level. Uh, can they go, can they have a nine and four kind of a year in, in 2024 with Matt Rule? Yeah, it might depend on if they're playing Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC. <laughs> uh, that, you know, again, uh, we'll oh, see. Yeah. We'll I, see. Yeah. I we'll see how that, we'll see how that shakes out. That's the thing. That's the, that's a qualifier for everybody. I mean, 
how what's what's Brent Venable's forecast in the SEC, depending upon you know which which of the uh, you know dragons he has to slay when they send out the first SEC schedule with Oklahoma and Texas? Are you are you more interested in OU OU's bowl game because of Florida State than you would have been if they'd drawn say Wisconsin or Missouri or in the Liberty? Oh, I, it, in OU's case, uh, I well first of all. It, it really did, wouldn't have mattered who the opponent was for me with the Sooners. I just want to see what it looks like. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm never going to not watch the Sooners play football uh, with great interest uh, for obvious reasons. But but in this game, uh, which is it, – it's really uh, – it's more of a, a of kind of a um, – this is just a Brent Venables game 100%. Because the roster is going to look so much different next year. So it's not like you're watching the ball game to see, oh, baby, this guy here, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this guy uh, or these this position group looks so much better than it did a month ago. Or because Lord only knows what the roster is going to look like. But mm -hmm. this will be a great test, uh, a great indicator of what Brent Venables can do with in a period of 12 practices to get to breathe some life in the, in the morale and to make his players give a damn. Yeah. It, it, a game that really doesn't mean it a whole lot, except you'd you don't want to go six. You don't want to be six and seven, man. Six is a lot better than set six and seven. You're no exactly. kidding. You talk about teetering on the brink of just literal disaster. Yeah. If, if he has to stare down a losing record, that's uh boy, that's not hard enough as it was, as it was to come back from 49, nothing to Texas and six and six and, Blowing the you know the games that they did that they could have easily won. I hey, six and seven. Aaron, who's to say they can't? They, I mean, OSU used that game, that Cheez It Bowl, as a springboard to a great season. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I mean, I mean, there is that's value. Right. If you if you manage the prep right, and if you really, really, really try to play well and win the game, uh, there's value in these bowls. Mm -hmm. uh, there can be value in these balls. And then it could be, at the same time, it could be a completely wasted exercise, uh, wasted time and, and, a, and a waste of money to have even been a participant in it. So, no, I'm, I'm, it doesn't – because this is not the FSU of 20 years ago. You know what I mean? That, that brand is oh, so – no, 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 no. Gosh, so no. Faded that that there's not a whole lot of value uh, just when you just hear FSU. Uh, so, no. Plus, they're ugly-ass uniforms. I'm not. <laughs> you know something else that could happen? Oh, you could go to the game, lose as badly as they – I don't think they will because Clemson 2014 was a lot better than Florida State 2022. But they could lose that game as badly as they did to Clemson. And, when, and that was the Tigers' warm-up to their national playoff, right. right, when they just throttled. I think it was 40-6. That could happen. 40-6, was that the game? I think that – yeah, I think that was the score. I, I It was – it could have been a lot worse than that. Well, what Bob Stoops did was was pivot, remember, after that game and and fire Josh Heupel yeah. and bring in Lincoln Riley and sort of re he rebooted the program for the last uh, couple of years of his of his career. Uh, Venables yeah. might be on his way to a reboot anyway, Phil, but you go down there and lose even, you know, worse than or as badly as he did to Texas or, get, you know, again, come back with a, with a losing record in your first season, that might prompt even more uh, you know, we, we've got to uh, shake the landscape here because we can't afford to have this happen again. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the 
40 to six Clemson game was the final game before Lincoln and Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I mean, I watch these balls. I'll watch, uh, I bet I end up watching some or all of 80% of these balls because I always do. And because you never know, I mean, I mean, look at any, uh, by the end of this bowl season, if you look at one of Scott Van Pelt's bad beats segments, <laughs> six of these bowl games will be like classically insanely entertaining. So, uh, you got to watch. I do. I love to watch them. Well, America will watch football because that's what America does. And there are also things to, uh, that you'd rather watch in the middle of, uh, of a weekday afternoon or evening. You can only watch Elf, uh, Christmas Vacation, The Santa Claus, uh, Bad <laughs> Santa. What else? Who, what am I missing here? How many? T- I mean, you can only go to that well so many times before you flip it over to the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. The Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. To see that on the rundown, it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, next year will be the Dave Chappelle Bowl. and. <laughs> Chris Rock, Will Smith Bowl. I don't know. That would be a story. That would be a story. To get the Chris Rock, Will Smith Bowl after what happened at the uh, at the thing. The uh, so the uh, by the end of when when because we're three weeks away from it, but when time when expires on twenty twenty two, the three most interesting events or sports days that I will have had were. Justin Thomas's rally in the PGA Championship at mm-hmm. Southern, which was historically insanely and probably fun. What a great, what a great day! Uh, the first Jinx Bixby game when Jinx ended the win streak, which Jinx played. In hindsight, Jinx played a perfect. You can't play. There's no such thing as a literal perfect football game, but it, it they played a perfect game. That's and one by three, Villanova, uh, Villanova over Georgetown in '85. It was. That's a great call, Garen. I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> that dates uh, me a little but, bit, but yeah. I will borrow it and use it. Thank you. And then uh, that's it. That's a great call. Uh, and then you know the third one, Wagner, Cushing, was. Uh, I mean, it was another uh, Villanova Georgetown. Mm-hmm. But except that Wagner's won five championships in the yeah. last 11 years before this. So Wagner, but they, Wagner lost by 42, 42 nothing to Cushing midseason. And I thought, you know, and I'm whispering to Barry Lewis before kickoff, I, I don't feel good about this for Wagner. And then, but they, they played the perfect game. Yeah. Doubled up Cushing on time of possession, converted. I think 50, oh, I forget. It's like close to 15, I think 15 times on third and fourth downs. Uh, uh, 10th grade quarterback who admitted after the game, I was, he said, I was so nervous the whole game. <laughs> and then, and then you, uh, yeah. perfect drive, perfect clock management, get down in the middle of the field, running, kick out, kick her out there for a 36 yard try on a walk off. And then uh, all the tears, just every every uh, emotion imaginable yeah. on that field when that kick went through. Uh, that was that was a great. That was the, of course, Bixby went in by sixty three to end their first six a one season, uh, and beating a, a, a Owasso team that was hot 
eight in a row. Uh, and I thought, you know, if Owasso does certain things better, uh, I mean, they they would they had to possess the ball. They, all the things that kind of what I I thought if if they did what Wagner did, Owasso had a chance. But um, Bixby's unbelievable, just unbelievable. And anybody in this town or this market who really enjoys football and hasn't seen Bixby play, uh, you're missing the boat. You need to go. And you know what? They're going to look next year just like they look now. And three years from now, they're going to look just like they look next year mm -hmm. because of Laura Montgomery. Um, so uh, it's uh, – everybody else has got a lot of catching up to do to, to Bixby. They do. They may not get there. Well, I mean – as, as long as Lauren likes his job. Yeah, well, well nothing lasts which forever. I tend to think he does. Nothing is nothing nothing lasts forever. Uh, but uh what Bixby is doing now is uh truly remarkable. Mm -hmm. 61 and 1 now over the last 4 years. So you're hitting on your end favorites. Actually, last 5 seasons 20 61 and 1. Crazy. Yep. You're you're hinting Bill at year end favorites. We need to set aside some time down the road here soon to, to touch on some of our, our favorites, maybe even not so favorite moments of the year uh, yeah. on the show. Uh, let's let's put that in the file and uh, and see each other again soon, uh, folks. Thanks very much for tuning in. You can catch extra points courtesy of Apple, Google, or Spotify every week, and always catch our work via the Tulsa World, um, the paper that shows up in your driveway, or TulsaWorld.com that shows up on your uh, computer every morning as you sit down and scarf Cheerios. Thanks very much for your help, support, and patronage. We'll talk to you next week.